We like to be our best, yet we like to strive. Welcome back to True North Talk, episode 45. And we hope after hearing this episode, you'll be feeling totally alive. Mm, yes, we should all be feeling alive, especially when we're diving into God's word. Uh, but we got a special episode in store for you today. Today, we're going to be going ahead and breaking down the Ten Commandments because, first of all, Peter, would you agree with this? I think it's often not talked about too much. It's like a crucial part of the Bible, but I really don't hear about it too much. I, I think especially in the church nowadays, it's kind of looked at as like old fashioned law and people yeah. kind of throw away the Old Testament in a lot of ways. And we'll, we'll bring in some verse, a couple, a few verses from the New Testament in Matthew that talk about this from, from the same perspective. But yeah, I think it's basically, you know, sometimes a lot of what we think of as Christians is that Jesus basically eliminated the law and that we don't need it anymore. But I think what we'll see from what we read today, that it is still very important and it kind of sets the tone for how, how we should live our lives. Yeah. And also I think it could answer some questions with people who, you know, have skepticisms about the faith and especially unbelievers who complain about or have their concerns about uh, just the impossible amount of commands to follow and all the rules and everything like that. And also I think there's some, some convolution with uh, believers and how much weight they should put in the law and how many of those commands, you know, cause I was reading this book here. I'm going to be referencing. It's called iron sharpening iron, a biblical guide for the God honoring man, American man, really good book. But uh, you know, it references kind of that, that Old Testament law, there's 613 distinct commandments in the Old Testament. So, and we saw with Jesus when he came, kind of the Pharisees and Sadducees would always, you know, they felt superior because they believed they could follow that law, all the laws. And they were kind of reading way too much into things Jesus was doing and kind of trying to criticize him. And it's not often answered succinctly. You know, how do we actually follow that law and how much relevance do we pay to that law? Because obviously those commands are good. I think we've actually talked about this too. Um, you know, there's relevance and there's reason for those commands, but how much weight do we really place in those? I think is the question. And I think that this episode today will answer that question, which is good for, for really everybody, believers and non-believers. Um, and we're going to talk about, you know, Jesus's command that he gave us when he was asked, what is the greatest command to follow from the Old Testament? Uh, I think a lot of people are probably familiar with that, but that in itself will give us some clarity. But then we're going to break down. We're going to go back to the Ten Commandments and look at them. And there's going to be two separate distinctions, which is uh, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. And that's known as the Shema. I think it's a Hebrew term. Uh, but the Old Testament command, at least, of loving God with all our heart, soul, and strength um, but Jesus even coming with it being, you know, new Testament, Jesus post, uh, you know, the Messiah had come and everything like that still referenced the old Testament and, you know, the law. And I just think it's important that we, you know, we have a balanced perspective on things. So, uh, yeah, before we go ahead and get into this, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the things I was saying or anything you want to add there just to give some kind of pretext to what we're going to go into. Yeah, uh, something that struck struck me was when you talked about the six hundred and sixteen laws that that six one three, but six hundred three. Yeah. Okay, sorry, misheard. But 
I, yeah, either way, a lot of laws, you know, over 600. And that, I think, was an example of just our flaws as humans trying to come up with all these laws when really God's design was for us to follow these two that we're going to dive into in this episode. And I think it shows that, you know, perfection isn't attainable, but if we follow these commands, then we'll be, you know, in, in the right eyes with God. Yeah. So, so first of all, um, there's a couple different ways we could go with this. I think first we should, let's just go ahead and read the 10 commandments and then we can kind of break that down and talk about the different applications there of that. And then we'll go to what Jesus said. And then we're going to circle back to what, uh, the old Testament had in it that had prophesied and shown, you know, before Jesus came, what he would eventually guide us to seek and, and follow with the old Testament. So, um, we're going to be reading out of Exodus today, Exodus 20, one through 17. That's where the 10 commandments are. Um, Peter, I know, I don't know how long it's been since you read through this. I don't know if you kind of read today earlier prepping, but just, I don't know if you want to give some general background on the 10 commandments and how that transpired, that event. It's pretty miraculous. Yeah. So the Israelites at this point, um, had been delivered from, from slavery in Egypt, um, led out, uh, led out of Egypt by Moses, the parting of the Red Sea, I feel like it's probably something obviously that Christians are well familiar with and maybe even non, non-Christians out there know about Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. And so they, they part the Red Sea, they're on this journey and they're kind of, you know, I mean, not kind of, they're wandering in the wilderness and then they, they come upon Mount Sinai and God basically calls, calls Moses up onto this mountain because the people have rebelled against God and have turned to sinful ways. I don't know if this is before or after the golden calf where they commissioned Aaron, Moses' brother, to build him an idol to, to worship instead of God. Um, I, again, I'm not sure if that's I think later it was or after. Earlier. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it, it is after. after. But either way, th- th- it was kind of a pattern that, th- that the Israelites fell into was a pattern of sin and falling away from God. And so God, God takes Moses up to the top of this mountain and... And then this is where, I mean, the, the verse one says, and God spoke all these words. So God is giving these words to Moses as kind of a a blueprint for the, for the Jewish people to follow with these 10 commandments that really, I think encapsulate all areas of life and Mm. all of the sins, or at least most of the sins that we fall into as human beings. And so I think it's a, a great, great, passage for for everybody to be familiar with yeah and the ten commandments you know what what, i mean you just said god speaking right that in itself is a pretty significant statement god speaking because you know we live in a world today where that people think that's distant like god is distant he's not present like he was in the old testament you know his presence being in uh you know near the ark of the covenant um, in the temple, you know, with the kind of the procedures, uh, that they had back then, what was it called? The Holy of Holies is where the God's presence was. So, you know, and that was an actual thing back then, but we don't really see or hear much about that these days. And God speaking kind of, it personalizes him in a way that we are kind of far disconnected from today. Right. So that statement in itself was significant, but I think the 10 commandments 
outlines the moral law that encompasses and underlies, you know, the Christian worldview. And this is the law that divides this. This is the law that divides because it's making absolute claims and it's commanding us to live in a certain way. You know, when we have a law and I just want to give this so people understand what we're going to read here because it's pretty significant. When we have a, when we have absolute laws, what we're saying is God spoke these laws. God is a perfect being. He knows perfect morality. Therefore, if you don't live by this law, you're living wrong for, wrongfully, which directly opposes our culture with what we're saying now, which is everybody has their truth. Everybody ha- can have their own truth. You know, live and let live. Uh, I can't tell you what's right and wrong. You can't tell me what's right and wrong. Well, God can. God can tell us what's right and wrong. And he does in these laws. And even the Ten Commandments can get a little, a little bit convoluted, you know, b- because there is a lot in here. And I think that's why Jesus even had to simplify it even more, right? Mm. Um, to what we will eventually read in Matthew 22 today. But I just want everybody to understand the significance of the moral law and just know that, first of all, it, you know, just because the, the fact that a moral law exists and we know it exists, it, it should, you know, make us desire to follow it. Um, you may not know why yet if you're an unbeliever, but as believers, we know that when we follow the moral law, when we follow God's commands, um, we are purified. Um, you know, our hearts are drawn near to him. We live peaceful, peacefully. Uh, we live in God's presence and, you know, obeying his commands brings us just, you know, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is in your life when you're following God's commands, when you're living for him. So there's incentives for following those commands. But I just wanted to give that outline before we read these 10 commandments because they're powerful and they have a lot of meaning. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have anything else you want to add, but if not, we can just go ahead and go into Exodus 20. I just wanted to back that up. And we, we read this last week, but I think it ties in again perfectly to what we're talking about in this episode. It's from Psalms 19, starting in verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts mm-hmm. of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are much more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Yeah, there's great reward, and it's not to say that you should follow them for that reason. I don't think you should... Honestly, following them for that reason is not a sustaining enough reason to follow them because we're going to, there's going to be times when following them, it does not bring reward, but ultimately it will bring reward. You know, there's many different sins we could go into that, you know, by not sinning or by following God's law, you don't, you don't receive anything immediately. It's delayed return, right? But living uprightly does have its, it does have its rewards. So, um, yeah, I love that passage there that you that you read. I think it's perfect to to uh, enter into this section here. So um, I can go ahead and we can split this up into two. Um, Sounds good. Let's see. Uh, okay. So the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. I'll take one through... Uh, let's see. I'll, one through 12. You can take the second half there. Is that cool? Yeah, works for me. All righty. 
And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, I am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord, your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, uh, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You're going to take the rest there. Yeah. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. To your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen. But we do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Let's finish it out there. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites this, You have seen for yourselves that I have spoken to you from heaven. Do not make any gods to be alongside me. Do not make for yourselves gods of silver or gods of gold. Make an altar of earth for me and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. If you make an altar of stones for me, do not build it with dressed stones, for you will defile it if you use a tool on it. And do not go up on, onto my altar, or do not go up to my altar on steps, Ooh, or your private parts may be exposed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's interesting because I think they wore like the, you know, the, the what are they called? The skirt looking things. Is you know a, what I'm talking a, about? Is it a loincloth? Is that what it's called? The loincloths. Yes. Yeah. Yes. What? A, <laughs> wow. I'm impressed there, Peter. Good job. <laughs> See, this is why you have, this is why I have you as a co-host. Yeah. This, this is like I've got that these reasons. I've got that biblical knowledge that sometimes is, is trivial, but that's I'm pretty sure that's a word and. A, a item of clothing that I've probably chuckled at before, so that's why it came came to the front of my mind. <laughs> yeah, that, you pulled that out of the, the, the 2009 Sunday School vocabulary right, file in your brain right. somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, does any any of those commandments uh, stick out to you as being um, you know compelling or interesting for any reason? Well, I mean, it, it's it maybe one that answer, you know but, that but sticks out them. to you in your life or something like that. Um. I mean, when, when you read verse seven, that's the one that kind of hit for me. I feel like it's something that's easy to do when we're, when we're mad or irritated at something to, or even just to say, you know, oh my God, in, in the sense of, you know, dishonoring the name of God. I, to me, that was the one that stuck out. Um, and then I feel like the, the coveting, you shall not cover your neighbor's house, his wife, male or female servant ox or donkey or anything that belongs because that's kind of all-encompassing it covers both like 
just objects and people at the same time. So I think it kind of ties in with you shall not commit adultery and you shall not steal. I think it kind of wraps those two together in a sense. It, it is different because um, it's basically saying not to be jealous. But those are the two I would say that stand out to me just because it's especially in the moment when, you know, I'm irritated about something. It's easy to, you know, say, I, I won't say the actual word, but like, gosh, dang it. But turning that into something that mm-hmm. is misusing God's name. And so I feel like that's one that's so easy and it seems innocent, but right here we see just how important that really is. And then again, the, the coveting one, because I think that covers both like sexual immorality and sexual desires and sins and also just like jealousy about what other people have. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. Speaking of that, what do you think about the, I, the Lord, your God, I'm a jealous God. Hmm. What do you think about that? Because God is not, you know, his, he's sinless. He's not sinful at all. There's no sin in him. So how can you be jealous and also be sinless? I think when it's, and I don't know, like, I would assume they're two different words in the original. If that's from the New Testament, it would have been Greek text or Hebrew text. I imagine they're probably two different words. Um, Basically, like God is jealous. And again, it's not in a sinful way, but he's like jealous for our souls. And he wants our souls to be aligned with him. And when he sees the world kind of taking that over, he has what I would call a righteous jealousy of wanting us to be closer to him instead of falling into the ways of the world. And when it's this sort of jealousy that I'm, that I was talking about there, it's more, I would say, where you just, you feel like those things belong to you, even if, if, even if they don't and you will kind of go and try to get those things by whatever means possible. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting because I think people take that as like envy, which I think envy is, is much, much different of a word there, but Mm -hmm. you know, being a jealous God, I don't, I don't think that, you know, that's clearly not sinful, but the way of understanding it is, um, God has his perfect design, which is for us to be reconciled to him. And anything outside of that is, is evil. And I think because of the grief that it causes him and just what he desires for us, I think that's kind of the context of that. It's like, it's not like he's envious, but rather, um, you know, desires what's his, which is for human beings and humankind, mankind to be reconciled to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, unfortunately, because of, you know, our fallen nature and sin, not everybody will become reconciled because we all have a, a part in that. But, um, yeah, I just think that's interesting there. Some people get caught up on that. Um, well, I, I love the song. Um, and I'm trying to remember what the name of the song is. It's escaping me. It's, it's, it's not oceans. I don't think, but it's a song that's kind of similar. Um, he is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. Um, I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his love and mercy. I, I just, I, I love that, that one. You haven't? No, I don't think so. Okay. It's a maybe, beautiful maybe song. And again, song. Do you want me to, do you want me to sing it right now? Or do we want to spare our viewers from that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'd like to hear you sing. Okay. We can maybe, maybe cut this out if it sounds really bad, but <laughs> he is jealous for me. Loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his love, wind and love and mercy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've never heard that end, one. But, okay. But good job. Was that, was that job. not too bad? That was entertaining. <laughs> That's definitely going to mix it up for our listeners a for little sure. bit. For <laughs> sure. I haven't, I haven't sung for an audience since I was in high school doing high school musical. <laughs> Honestly, just take the rest of the episode and let you sing. What else do you want to sing? Can I think sing I'm good McDonald? on that. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have right, a better well, singing voice than I do, bro. So if there's any more singing, it'll come from you. Old had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> And on his farm, he had a Peter. (laughs) (laughs) E-I-E-I-O. All right. Circling back to what's actually important. Didn't you always find it? I always found it bizarre when people who are like atheist or agnostic or something like that to use Jesus Christ as like a curse word. Hmm. I was like, I'm always like, what are you doing? Like you're saying this man has no significance. You're, you, you know, you say Jesus is just a guy, you know, whatever. God isn't real. I don't care about God. But you you always use his name in a derogatory manner. Like, mm-hmm. it's always been hilarious to me. And maybe that's just culture. You know, maybe it's just, I don't know what you call that, but indoctrination lingo, or just, of, yeah. yeah, conditioning to use yeah. that word because everybody uses it. But why? Why is it so significant? Jesus Christ. And then even another thing, which is like comparing the, you know, Christianity to Islam. I think I've said this before, maybe, but like in the Quran, the end of the world, Jesus Christ is a very significant player in that story. Even in the Quran, it's like, he's even in the story of, of Islam, Jesus, he's a significant player. So we have the curse word we have. He's in, you know, the Quran very significantly. They try to take away his, uh, Messiah, you know, him being a messiah saying he's just a prophet but he's everywhere everybody wants to talk about him which it tells me even more the significance of his name and tells me the significance of who he is um but yeah i always found that bizarre why are you saying if you're atheist why are you saying jesus christ because honestly if you really believe what you say you do that would make you look kind of kind of bizarre like you're using a guy's name who has no significance to you as a curse word it's just kind of weird to me because in a form that's disrespect you know you'd think you'd want to disrespect somebody that you actually care about or, you know, believe in. But anyways, I always thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I did, I did remember out. real quick, just so I, just cause I, I want to mention it for the listeners out there. And if you want to maybe give a listen to it afterwards, I believe it's called how he loves us or he, lo- or he loves us or something like that. If you want to give that song a listen, it's, it's a really powerful song. I would encourage all of our listeners to listen to that as well say we the listeners and I myself would be willing to listen to you sing it again I mean <laughs> here's some more singing nah not this time yeah, how about a little five second clip okay he's considering it I'm he's, considering it he's warming up I'm trying to remember how how the oh how he loves us how he loves us so hey there we let's go, go. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad, bro. Not bad. Not, not too bad. You should pick up guitar and then you can work on the, you know, your, I don't know what they call that, note switching, yeah. melody change. Yeah, it's also but, um, right now, so that makes it more of a challenge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but another one that sticks out to me was honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your Lord your God is giving you. It, it's always an interesting thing to me because I'm not going to lie. Sometimes when I have moments where I'm like losing patience sometimes with my parents, 
that actually enters my mind that I'm like, you know, I'm going to honor my parents because I'm not trying to die. <laughs> I'm not trying to go out of here early. Right. <laughs> like, you know, if there's one reason, I'll at least do it for that reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, but, but again, while it's, it might not be always the best intentions, it is really good to have that reminder constantly on your heart. And that's why having scripture is like having scripture either memorized or just having the themes deep in your mind is so important because again, even if it's not like we're like, Oh, I want to do this because specifically I want to honor God. And obviously we need to aspire for that to be our desire. But even again, if it is kind of just because you don't want to leave, leave the world early, it, it is good to, to have that reminder either way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and can sometimes, you know, you do need those little things to push you forth when you're losing patience or whatever the case may be, even following other uh, other commands of God, you know. We're not always going to feel like following them, so you kind of need, you know, those little reasons can help a little bit. I was I was half joking, but, you know, sometimes it is that way. It's like, you know, right. I don't want to die an early death, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, I think we should kind of break down with the initial... Uh, uh, overview was here, which was the separation of the Ten Commandments into the two sections. So this book I'm reading, Iron Sharpening Iron, it points out the difference between um, the first four commandments and the set and the last six. And the first four are structured around honoring God. The last six are structured around, or loving God. The last six are, are about loving our neighbor. And we'll, again, we'll see the significance of that shortly here, but um, I'm just going to read the first four again. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Uh, let's see. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God and remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. So honoring the Sabbath, not using God's name in vain, not having any idols, uh, and not having any gods before him. Okay. And let's see. One, two, three, f one, two, three, four, five, six. So, the first four are set in that uh, that theme of honoring and loving God. Do you want to go ahead and read the last six? Yeah. Again. So, so it honor, starts with honor your father, honor your father and, mother. and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that just simplified would be don't lie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah don't lie. And you shall not cover your neighbor's house, wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Yeah, and if you remember what Jesus taught about sin, it's not the actual act of murder, for example, mm -hmm. that uh, that is the sin. It's the heart's desire to murder, which murder is the ultimate expression of hate. Um, adultery is the ultimate expression of lust. Stealing is the ultimate expression of really, I guess you could say, coveting or you know, a multitude of sins, but mm -hmm. these commands are the ultimate expression. But really if our hearts desiring, desiring these things and we're not correcting our heart, that's when sin starts and takes root. But the 10 commandments are separated in that manner, not by accident. So do you want to go ahead and grab the Matthew 22? Yeah. Did you have that pulled up already? Yeah, I got it now. So it's 22. Remind me of the verses again. 37 through 40. I yeah. mean, you can read a little bit beforehand if you want okay. for some context. I don't know if you have it pulled up. Yeah, I got it. So... Yeah, you can go with maybe 34. Through. Yeah, well, I'll say 33. 
Um, I'll read actually from 29 because I think this is interesting that Jesus said what Jesus says here. Jesus replied, you are in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. So here in picking up in 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. And he doesn't say it here, but another one that we often say is with all your strength. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Yeah. And that, and that was not like hyperbole, right? It wasn't an an exaggeration. Mm -hmm. All of the law, all the, all of the 613 laws, you go through each individual law and measure up. Is this something that boils down to loving God or is it something that boils down to loving our neighbor? And also, well, first of all, do you think, can you think of any reasons why Jesus would give this answer instead of going into the, all the different commands? I think it's because honestly, as human beings, we are, or at least we grasp things better when they are broken down simply into, you know, like in this, either two points or three points are often a good way to, you know, that's why most pastors have three main points in their sermons. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when things are simplified, it's easier for us as humans to grasp them. And I think it also translates easier down the generations, down the, the time of history, when it's not kind of these complicated laws about how, you know, how you're supposed to sacrifice an animal or something like that, which is how, what a lot of the laws did, because that's something that's no longer even needed because of Jesus' sacrifice. And so, yeah, I think answering in that way, it, it also, you know, he showed patience here because the way it says, you know, the, the Pharisee and expert in the law tested him with the question. You know, he was trying to probably get Jesus to stumble over his, his own words and say, you know, pick out one that the Pharisees would have been able to be like, well, why is that one the most important? That isn't, you know, these other ones are just as important or this one's more important than the other. And so narrowing it down like this, I think, obviously, is the, the perfect answer. Yeah. It's patience too, you know, like you said, having patience. Um, another thing to keep in mind too, it, I'm sure you've heard this, Peter, you got it somewhere in a Sunday school file again, maybe a little bit later than that, but Matthew five seventeen through 20, uh, do not come, do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's fulfilling the law mm-hmm. for truly. I tell you until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Okay, nothing will disappear from the law. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now, how do we become righteous through Christ? That's the question. And the answer is quite simple. By faith... Or through faith by grace we're saved um, not of works lest no man should boast not of works but the simplification of these two commands allows us to ask ourselves each individual action is this honoring is, is this 
does this act love and honor God and our fellow neighbor or does it not? If it's not, we know it's clearly not under God's, you know, purview. It's not something we should be doing as Christians. And I, I think also the gray area stuff. Well, before I get into that, you've heard people say like the old Testament stuff about not eating pork. Um, you know, so there's some other ones about like people talk about slavery, I think, which by the way, slavery was not the same definition of slavery. It was like indentured servitude, completely different subject. But there's some things people mentioned about the old Testament law and they try to pick apart the Bible and say that you throw it out because of that, right? They discredit Jesus and his testimony, but really the purpose of fulfilling the law and giving us these two great commands of loving God and loving our neighbor is that we don't pay attention to those things, these irrelevant commands. Like if, if, you know, and they're not irrelevant, but I'm, I'm saying some of the commands that are like gray area that may or may not apply, like piercings, tattoos, those types of things. It's something you have to ask yourself, is this honoring to God? Is it honoring, you know, loving my neighbor or is it not? If it's not, then okay, it might be gray area. You know, there's some gray area, for example, drinking, right? Alcohol. Is, is moderation okay? Or smoking weed. Some people is like, some people think that's not okay. Is it okay? It's comes down to, you know, the heart's posture on these things and desire. But if we were to have that law, if we were to have 613 commands to try to follow, do you think you ever could follow that? No, not even close. <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough to follow 10, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So something else to keep in mind too is, you know, does that mean we should just not pay any, any mind to the 10 commandments or the other commands? And, and the answer is no, because, um, if we, this is a way we can measure ourselves, and this is also a way we can witness to others the Ten Commandments somebody who I've watched quite a bit Ray Comfort he has a YouTube channel called Living Waters he'll go up to people and ask them you know do you believe in God break, break it down and then he says oh I'm going to do a thought exercise with you and he takes them through the Ten Commandments and he says have you ever stolen something have you ever lusted you know after a woman or a man have you ever hated somebody have you ever lied and they say, well, yes, of course. So he says, by your own admission, you just told me you're a lying, thieving, lusting murderer at heart. Hmm. And, and by these commands, would God hold you guilty or, or not guilty? Guilty. On judgment day. Yeah. When the answer is guilty, of course. Like, we're all guilty. But how are we, how are we redeemed from that guilt? The answer is Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, God's court. I think a good thing for all our listeners to take away today is if you're witnessing to somebody, use the metaphor of the court of law. You know, if we get pulled over for a speeding ticket or a misdemeanor of some sort, by the law, if the judge is to, you know, do his job and be and to be fully just, he has to punish you. But there's one way out, and you know what that way is usually? Posting, posting bond, paying for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah posting bail. <laughs> bail so in yeah. God's in God's holy court, he has to be fully just as much as he is fully loving. But if he were to, you know, for example, if you, if he looked at you or somebody else, I'm not going to say you, let's say Bobby, you know, was a good man, generally speaking, but Bobby tended to lie a lot in his life and he didn't believe in Christ. So he went before God and God was like, you know, you seem like a good guy, Bobby, but, uh, I, you know, I'm just going to let you through to heaven. I'll give you the one exception. Then that would take away from God's position as a fully just being right? So Jesus enters the picture because he is the bail. He pays our bail. 
he died for our sin. He was our atonement. And he allowed us to be free from the punishment that we fully deserve. And that picture and that metaphor has been really good for me to, to use with people, something that I've gotten from Ray Comfort. But all that to say, there's still weight and there's still reason to go back to the Ten Commandments. But, you know, and even the 613 commands, you probably could look at some of those and say, you know, there's probably some good things in there, you know. Um, but, yeah, all that to say, there's still relevance in them. But I don't think that, you know, we should always be so, I don't know, detailed and looking at every little part of everything and like, oh, am I perfect here and there? Because we're always going to break some of the commands. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know, you know, kind of going back to that theme though of loving God and loving your neighbor how easy and practical do you think that is to you know live that live by that standard yeah I mean it's I won't say it's completely easy one thing that I was thinking about though is the connection between really when we love our neighbor we're also in kind of indirectly or even you could say directly loving God because God gives us that command to love our neighbor so by doing that we are loving God as well Um, And I would say it starts with that upward relationship. You know, if we're loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then it's going to translate to how we treat other people because we're going to have the fruits of the Spirit um, inside of of our heart and in the actions that we do and just in how we live our lives. And and then that'll translate to how we treat people. And so, yeah, I'm not saying it's 100% easy, but God gives us the tools to make it achievable. And again, it doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that we're always going to follow those those 10 commandments or the two most important ones all the time. But it also doesn't mean that we can just excuse or throw those away when we do mess up. We need to have a true spirit of repentance. We need to go to God and be like, "Yeah, I messed up. I fell short of your perfect standard. I didn't love my neighbor. I, you know, I hated them or or I lusted after them or I coveted what they had." And it's coming to God with humility, first of all. It's that, that's the first step is admitting you did something wrong. And that's, I, that's the first hurdle that most people get caught up on is, you know, they blame the circumstances or they blame the people around them or they blame the, the lot they've been giving in, given in life when they mess up. And they're so quick. And, and I say they, but I know obviously I do it as well. And Joe, I know that, that you would say that you do as well. It's easy to mm. cast that blame. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Oh, you still sin? Oh, that's oh, tough. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot. You were you, you, Joe, Joe never sins. He, he's he's perfect, guys. <laughs> uh, no, kidding, but obviously. Obviously, yeah. But yeah, just uh. <laughs> <laughs> just the the importance of having that spirit of repentance. And then, and then the one thing I thought about too when you were talking about, you know, all the all the laws that that people try to follow and if you look at, you know, orthodox Jews, they would still fo- follow that law is if you're following that law out of the purity of your heart in trying to follow God and not trying to do it so you look good for other people or just so you live up to the standards so you can feel better about yourself. But if you're following those commands, because I, I do know actually some some Christians, like, you know, ev- evangelical Protestant Christians who do follow some of the commands like like not eating pork, and I don't know if that's, Lifetime, or just in, in certain times, almost as a Lent sort of thing. And I know that's more of a Catholic theme, but again, mm-hmm. I think it's more the importance 
it's because like you said, those laws aren't nullified. Jesus didn't come to like wipe those laws away. He just came to fulfill the law. And so if we're still living by that law again with purity of heart to honor God, because we know that he is a perfect God. And by living by his commands, we're honoring him. If that's our mindset, I don't think it's a problem at all. If we still even follow some of those, you know, beyond the 10 commandments. Yeah. And I'd like to read an excerpt that I think speaks directly to that from this book. It says, love for God. Okay. As mentioned before, the first four commandments teach us to love God. Well, the last six teach us to love our neighbor. Love for God comes first because we cannot love another person until we love God. Mm-hmm. I've actually given that piece of advice to people like regarding relationships. Like mm-hmm. Some of my <laughs> friends that, you know, have been burned in the past or they're kind of turned off to dating and everything, or maybe they want to date. I'm like, you can never love a person, a, a woman, you know, in specific as your wife, you can never love her as you're going to need to love her until you love God. Mm-hmm. And also people think, you know, you're going to, I need to love myself first. Yep. That's what everybody says. I need to work on myself and love myself so I can love somebody else. Well, you're not going to love yourself unless you love God. I'm sorry. You're going to hate yourself <laughs> if you don't love <laughs> God because you're so imperfect, yep. you know? I mean, it's hard not to, to dislike yourself sometimes even being saved because of how frustrating sin can be. But, mm-hmm. you know, if we love God, we love ourselves, you know, in a healthy way. But I'm going to keep reading here. It says the Scottish theologian Henry Scougal wrote, the love of God is a delightful and affectionate sense of the divine perfections, which makes the soul resign and sacrifice itself completely unto him, desiring above all things to please him and delights in nothing so much as in fellowship and communion with him and being ready to do or suffer anything for his sake or at his pleasure. Regarding the second greatest commandment, Scougal writes, a soul thus possessed with divine love must need be enlarged toward all mankind in a sincere and unbounded affection because of the relation they have to God. So loving God gives is a delightful and affectionate sense of the div- divine perfections. Okay, it's overwhelming to our souls. And I think I mentioned this last week. You can tell me if I'm, if I'm blanking here. Maybe it was a previous episode, but... Like, can, I was like, can can you be a Christian and say that you don't like people or that you hate people, you know? And I I said that in the last episode or maybe previous, and it was like, you can't do that. You can't have that position as a Christian. I I hear people say, oh, I just don't like people. I can't stand being around people. Well, maybe you should take some, look at yourself and figure out why that is. Because if you love God, then you're going to, you're just going to have so much affection for your fellow man because we're all made in his image. And even people who do you wrong at times, you're still going to love them, you know? And, and that's, that's, that's opening up a whole new can of worms. Cause that's talking about taking on the heart of God, which is not natural to man. But you know, if we love God, then we should love others with so much affection that we really can't contain it. Hmm. And that's, that's what I, you know, the fruit of the spirit, we've talked about that too before a couple of times, haven't we? Mm-hmm. But the fruit of the spirit will really come through when we are loving God as we're designed to do. So I don't know to wrap this whole thing up. I'd like to go back, go back to the old Testament and we're going to look at two scripture, two scriptures that, um, that pretty much signaled to Jesus's eventual teaching when he came. And that's going to be Deuteronomy six, four through five and Leviticus nineteen, eighteen. So do you have Deuteronomy pulled up Peter? Yeah, I got that. All right, you can go ahead and take that one. I'll do the second one. Perfect. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands yeah, I, give, yes. I give to you are to be on your hearts. I think that's important as well. Actually, even the next verse is to impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk down along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Simplifying that in every part of your life. Follow the that command to, to love the Lord your God with all your strength. I mean, I think it would be good if you want to keep reading maybe 10 through 12. Yeah, I can do that. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you, and this is God speaking, I guess, to, to the Israelites through Moses, I believe, because um, Moses wrote Deuteronomy. So when the Lord brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Honestly, yeah. it keeps so, going. I could keep reading from there too, but I think we'll probably stop there unless you want me to keep going. I mean, it's just good stuff, but we'll probably yeah. stop there because the point of this passage was the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your Lord, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Okay, that's part one of the of the the command that we just read from Jesus. Part number two, Leviticus nineteen eighteen. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Just a little bit. I think I might have heard that somewhere before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. But okay, so even in the Old Testament, we had some clarity on the commands. So anybody who says, oh, you know, you're just ignoring the Old Testament. No, you can point them and say, look, even here, we had the greatest command from Jesus, right? And uh, another thing, too, this this is maybe a different subject, but it's still relevant. You know, when people, especially Christians, when we're trusting that God is leading us to where he wants us to go, you know, verse 10 kind of speaks to that, too. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. That's actually a picture of grace hmm. and not not earning our salvation, not doing anything to to earn it, right? Because it's a land with cities we didn't build, houses we didn't provide, uh, the good things we didn't provide, the wells we didn't dig, it's there and he gives it to us. And the beauty of following these commands is that it's like a map. What was that episode we had about the map? The, the map in the ocean. It's, it, it guides us even when we don't, you know, when the stars are hidden by a storm or when we can't navigate the seas because of the, the driving waves, he, he is the map that, that guides us through that. Yeah, it was. I think it was. I think it was called navigating the seas of life. Yeah, was that episode. But um, yeah, I mean, he's the beauty of following the commands is that they will point you toward God, and that God is leading you into this land. He wants us to be. I'm not going prosperity gospel, but he wants us to be blessed, um, and he will bless us for following these commands because our hearts truly belong to him, and it's just a peaceful place to be. It really is. It's incredible to see it unfold sometimes. 
you know, certain things happen in your life. You're like, wow, this is just incredible. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's the promise that we have in his command. So unless you have anything else to add, I'm pretty good with summing it up there. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, to add what it adds here to when, when things are going well and, you know, as, as we have that gift of salvation, it is a reminder here to make sure that we don't fall into complacency and say, Mm -hmm. Oh, we're saved so we can sin. And what it says here is be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And we could put in our own words there, who the God who has led you out of sin or who has led you out of tough circumstances in life, the God who's always been there. Fear the Lord, your God, serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, here it is, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the earth. Mm. So that's a little bit less positive of an outlook, but that just shows the importance of us following God and remaining under, you know, remaining in that mindset of loving the Lord our God with all of our being, and also loving our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. And that's actually something I was talking about today um, with my fiance was my beautiful fiance that I'm looking at right now uh, was the idea of, I think I made a statement. I was talking about, you know, potentially if I was a servant government and I was like, I think I could, I don't know. The reason I think God has me set aside for this potentially is because I feel incorruptible. Hmm. Like I would be incorruptible because I don't desire the power. I don't desire the money. I'm doing it because I, I want to use the gifts that he's given me and to be a good shepherd. But Sarah brought up a point and it was a good point. And it was, you know, we pretty quickly can become corrupted even if we're, even if we're saved, if we're not being vigilant and making that daily sacrifice. And uh, I think that's relevant here too. It's like when you get to the promised land, don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And you know what she said, God is a jealous God. His anger will burn against you. He'll destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put your Lord, your God, to the test as, um, okay, he's speaking of the the Israelites here, but do not put the Lord, your God, to the test as you did at at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord, your God, and the stipulations and decrees that he's given you. Now, again, let's keep it relevant. What degrees, what decrees has he given us to love God and to love our neighbor? Mm -hmm. Okay. And what, (laughs) I don't know, we could open up a whole nother can of worms about what is love. What does that mean to love God? What does it mean to love our neighbor? Biblical love is a very different love than what the world thinks love is. You know, it's sacrificial. What was the passage we read last week? Uh, I'm blanking on that. Which one was it? Was it first John or I just remember there was a lot like love was repeated and maybe we'll drop it in. Was it, was it first John? Oh yeah. Testing the spirits. First John four. Yeah. I'm gonna pull that up real quick. Perfect. And while you're doing that, um, I have kind of maybe not final thoughts, but as we're wrapping up here, um, upward, inward, outward is something that my church in in North Carolina that I went to, the pastor always said at the end of, of services, the, the church congregation as a whole said, upward, inward, outward, transformers roll out. And that kind of touches on what you were talking <laughs> talking about earlier. The church was called Transformation Church. And so that was kind of kind of the theme of it. But it, it touches on what you were talking about earlier about it starts first with God. It starts with our relationship with him. And while the world, the world kind of turns that order around, they, well, and really they, I would say exclude God altogether. They say inward, outward, 
if any even outward sometimes they're like just just worry about yourself focus on yourself but what god wants us to do is to make sure so our relationship selfish. with him exactly what god wants us to do is make sure that our relationship with him is right so that we can minister to others and care for others and spread the message to others and it is it is true we do have to be in a right place with god ourselves if we're not in that right place then we can't really minister correctly but it's not again Mm-mm. it's not being at a place where we're selfishly just you know in a good place and life's going good for us and then we can worry about other people it's we need to make sure that so that we can help other people we're centered with god yeah and you can still help even if you're not centered technically yes. but you're gonna know the difference in your heart and they'd be like oh <laughs> yeah you can fake it to a certain right. extent but it's gonna hit you right it's definitely gonna hit you at a certain point so yeah Amen to that. But to wrap us up, we got First John here, four, verse seven. This is just the you know kind of going over what we went over last week. God's love and ours, dear friends. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and has sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Um, okay. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love yet God yet hates a brother or sister, there we go, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Hmm. And he has given this he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Even that is is pointing back to what Jesus was saying. Yep. You know? Even that. So we see it multiple times. But yeah, godly love is not worldly love. It's not conditional. It's unconditional. It's sacrificial. Um, And it's something that we have to, you know, aspire toward and make sure that our heart is seeking that because if we're not, it's easy to be selfish. Love ourself. Like you said, love ourself. People say, I love myself. I want to love myself first. Well, no, you got to love God first, then love others, then you love yourself. Because it's as that flows, what would you say? Inward, upward, outward, upward, inward, outward, upward, inward, outward. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm I might still, I might still have a, a wristband that that has those on on it from from back in the day that I got at that church. But I, I think you should when we when we close out here, you should close it on that saying. Okay, for sure. But, yeah. Anyways, you need to be transformed by God's love. Uh, simplifying those commands, I think should help us understand the 10 commandments and how to live our lives and not be caught up in all the different commands and also should, also should teach us how to respond to people who, you know, like to cite those other commands and try to be, you know, confusing about that. It's like, well, this is the two, these are the two commands that matter. Jesus came to f- fulfill the law. We measure every command by these two. If not, we're, you're thinking too hard about it. You're thinking too hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the crux of the episode. I don't have anything else to add, Peter, unless you do. No, just upward, inward, outward, transformers roll out. <laughs> okay. Unless you want me to well, say that and wrap at the us end up of in your some prayer then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Dear Lord, thank you for this time together. Um, thank you for allowing us to speak 
your truth. God, I I pray you continue to speak through us, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit would just be evident in our podcasts. Um, I pray that this word would reach somebody today. Uh, And God, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them if they're seeking you. I pray that your commands would be written upon our hearts to love you, Lord, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Um, I pray that we would love as you loved us. Um, And I just ask God that if there's any convolution or confusion going on about, you know, the faith or or your commands or anything like that, I pray that anybody listening, God, would have that removed from their eyes. And I just pray that this episode would get through to somebody that needs to hear it. Uh, Thank you for this podcast. I pray that True North would, would move forward and that you'd bless it, Lord. Your hand would be on us. Just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, that's episode 45 in the books. If you made it this far, make sure you like and rate the podcast. We appreciate you listening as always. And remember always to hold this in your heart, upward, inward, outward. Transformers, roll out.